good. He is good. And his mercy endures forever. Yes, it is. That's a declaration um, that you need to make every day of your life, no matter what life looks like, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what is happening in your life or what's not happening. God is yet still good. And his mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. His mercy is new every morning. Every morning, it is new. Welcome to Hope at Home, the Hope World Experience, Hope World Everywhere. We're so glad that you have invited us into your private spaces, into your homes, in your car, on your jobs, wherever you are. We thank God for you that you have tuned in to receive a word in worship that will change your entire life. Do me a favor. If you have not already, go ahead and share this. Go ahead and tag this so that the others can be blessed by it. If you've been rolling with us since March and you've been blessed by our ministry, go ahead and share it because I'm sure, quite sure, that somebody else is going to be blessed by it as well. We're so glad once again that you have tuned in and you're here with us today. As always, every week I thank God for our music ministry and for our uh, media team that's been rolling with me since March. We're getting it done every week and I could not do it without them. Amen. I know the world is starting to open up some so we're going to have to start planning our trip. Amen. We know where we want to go. We just need the funds to be able to get there. Praise the Lord. So so a seed. Amen. If you want to help us to get to Jamaica for about two weeks. Amen. Just help us. Help us. Y'all, y'all cool with two weeks? Two weeks? All right. All right. Put your time in at work already. Don't let them know. Let them know. I'm rolling with the pastor. And we're going to do a revival in Jamaica for two weeks. Praise the Lord. The saints need to be saved over in Jamaica. And God wants to use us to bring hope to Jamaica. Amen. 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 Listen, if you have your Bibles, journey with me um, to John chapter 11. We're finishing our series entitled Life, looking at the life of Lazarus. John chapter 11. Verses 40 through 44, I hope and pray that you have been um, enjoying this series. If this is just your first time tuning in, I, I encourage you that once you're done watching this, to go back to our Facebook page, go to our YouTube page, and be able to listen to the five other messages um, to bring you up to speed. And I promise you that it is going to bless your life. John chapter 11, verses 40 through 44, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone away. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. In fact, you always hear me. I love the confidence that Jesus had in his father. You always hear me. But I said out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. There were people. There were people that were critical of Jesus and not sure of who he was and just trying to come against him everywhere that they could. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a hair cloth. Jesus told them, I'm going to wrap him and let him go. I'm going to wrap him and let him go. I want to use for a title as we get ready to close out this series, Things Are About to Change. Things Are about the change. You know what? In fact, if we were here in the building, I would tell you to touch three people and tell them that, that things are about to change. But since you're at home and you've been confined in your home and everybody is safe in your home, touch three people in your home. If you're there by yourself, touch yourself three times and say, things are about to change. Things are about to change. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up, God. We echo uh, what the worship team has already said into the atmosphere that you are good. Yes, you are, God. 
Your goodness is not predicated on all being good in our lives, Lord God. When things are messy, when things are not good in our lives, God, you are yet still good. Father God, you are the only consistent thing that we have in this world, Father God. This world where everything is changing hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, but yet you still remain the same and relevant at the same time. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father God, for being consistent in your character. And we make the declaration, Father God, that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. Father God, open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our spirits that we can, that we are ready to receive your word this morning. Father God, I pray that we've already made up in our minds, oh God, that we are going to do whatever it is the word is calling us to action to do. We won't delay our obedience, but we're going to act when you say, how you say, when you say it. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen. Things are about to change. One of my favorite movies that really, that I just, my all-time favorite movie that I love watching, uh, anytime it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. I've even downloaded it on my DVR, on my TV, so that I can be able to go back to it at any time. This movie is called The Color Purple. Now, if you have not seen The Color Purple, when we are back in the building, I'm going to have an altar call uh, for you to be able to ask the Lord for forgiveness because you've been spent all of your life and you have never seen The Color Purple. It is a classic movie that you probably see from your childhood to teenage all the way up until adulthood. It's a movie that everybody has their favorite part that they can be able to cite word for word. My favorite scene, my favorite scene is this, that at the end, towards the end of the movie, almost towards the end, towards the movie, when Miss Sophia, she just got out of jail. You all know that she was in jail because she was down there. Um, she was down there at the market and the white lady wanted to take a child and she said no. She said, I can't say what she said, but you know what she said. It started with an H and it ended with an L. Um, she said, hey, she said, no, you cannot have my kids. And the next thing you know, the police chief tried to come and put his hands on it. And everybody knows that Miss Sophia was a strong black woman. I mean, she was willing to do what she had to do on her own. That one time when Harpo made the mistake and listened to his daddy and put his hands on her and she went down into the field and she pulled those leaves, she pulled the, that tree back, she pulled that corn back and she told Miss Sophia, you told Harpo to beat me. And she said, all of my life I had to fight. I had to fight my daddy. I had to fight my uncles. You know the rest of the story. And so from that time on, people knew that Miss Sophia was nobody to mess with. Second to that, you all know when they were there at the juke joint. You know the juke joint was. You've been there. You've been going there sometime. Amen. Even in the pandemic, you probably went to the juke joint. They, you know, they, they were there at the they were there at the juke joint. And she had her boyfriend busted there. This was this was Harpo's club. And so she comes in there. She's dancing all over Buster, and Harpo's girlfriend had the audacity to come and say something to Miss Sophia. Why didn't somebody text that girl and tell her not to say nothing to Miss Sophia? And she went up to her, and I think she called her a heifer or something like that, and Miss Sophia knocked her out. My favorite part from that scene is when the piano player realized what was about to happen. He said, uh-oh, time to go. He folded up that piano, and he was on his way out the door and Miss Sophia knocked the life out of that girl. But we know that when she hit, when she got in trouble with the police down, down at the marketplace, they, she was put into jail and they literally beat the life out of her. 
She was never the same again while she was in jail. Even when they went and bought her home for the holidays, she was not the same. She no longer had that sassiness. She no longer had that excitement. She no longer had the life. Life had been destroyed for Miss Sophia. So finally, she gets home They're at the table, and Mrs. Father... <laughs> Is at the head of the table. He's talking trash and he's talking real crazy. And the next thing you know, that Miss Celia, all of a sudden, all by this time, she realizes that her sister has been writing her letters and Mister has been keeping them. And finally, she goes up with Suge Avery and they read through all of the letters. And she asks that question at the dinner table: Has any more letters come? And Mister said, Maybe not. Maybe so. And she told him, she told him, she began to go down the line how she didn't ask for his hand in marriage, how she didn't want to be with him, and all of these other things. And the next thing you know, Miss Sophia comes out the blue. And she begins to talk about her experience. She begins to tell her story. She began to tell everybody what happened to her while she was in jail. She began to give her narrative. In other words, she began to give her testimony of how life has not been good to her. She began to share her story about what she had to endure. Can you imagine for a black woman during that time, even though it was a, it was a movie, but it went on in real life during that time, what a black woman in jail had to endure mentally, emotionally, and physically during that time. Sophia comes out, and all of a sudden, out the blue, she has a burst of joy. She pops up, and she says, things are fixing to change around here. And Mrs. Father at the table said, I'm glad we're going to have some stability around here. And she says, come on, y'all, pass those peas around. And Miss Sophia, now all of a sudden, life was back into her. When she made that, after she shared her testimony, and then she made the declaration that things were about to change for her, something happened within her life. That she was never the same after that declaration. Let me go ahead and jump out the gate and just tell you this real quick. It's going to be on the screens for you in just a second. If you want to see your life turn around, you're going to have to activate change through participation. If you want to see your life get better, if you want to see things change in your life, I know stuff has been crazy. I know stuff may have been wild. And I'm not just talking about what we have been enduring over the past months with the pandemic and then the racial unrest that we've had. You've had your own personal pandemic. You've had your own personal crises that you have been dealing with during this time. But if your life is ever going to turn around, you're going to have to activate change through participation. Pastor, okay, I can see it in the story, but help me to be able to see it in the text. I can see it in the color purple, but help me to be able to see it in the text. Last week, we ended off by talking about how, 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 how when Jesus... <coughs> came back to them finally at the end Lazarus is dead now it's been four days he goes he may he makes the announcement he says show me where he is show me where you lay him and so Martha went with Jesus to the tomb she went there and she and he made the declaration and he said hey I need you to move the stone away but Martha was like wait a minute she had to protest she had to say wait a minute Jesus what you're asking me to do you are literally asking me to mourn all over again you are literally asking me to bring up 
all the emotions and the feelings that I had of losing my brother all over again. Jesus understood that, hey, if there is going to be a supernatural move, if there's going to be a mighty move, I need your active participation in bringing about some change in your life. Please realize and understand this. Jesus could have moved the stone all by himself. He's all powerful. He didn't need her help, but he needed to write. He needed to raise her faith. He needed to charge her faith in order for her to believe again. That's why Jesus kept telling her, do you believe? Do you believe? And she said, yes, Jesus, I do believe that on the last day that my brother is going to rise along with everybody else. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I need you to believe and know that right now that I am the resurrection, that I am the life. What you need is not just an event, but what you need as a person, and I am that that you need. Jesus. Jesus had to activate Martha's faith because her way, her way, her way, her way, what she brought to the table, what she brought to the table through participation was her faith in believing that God could do the impossible. As I read through the story, I, I asked myself some questions as I read the word of God and I write them down because I want to gain a better understanding and a knowledge of the word of God. I said, Lord, why did you have to bring her back to the tomb? Could you have just gone by yourself? I mean, you know, they, they've already made the they are already made the coming twice. That if you had if you had came when they called you, that their brother would not have died. Now you're adding insult to misery to show up four days after the fact. He's dead. He stinks. And now you're encouraging me to take you, not just go, but to take you to where I've laid him. Uh-huh. Now you want me to relive the pain, the agony. Seeing my brother take his last breath, I gotta. I, I'm having all these images that's, that are bedded out in my head to go back. Literally, if this was today, literally, you want them to go back and to dig the grave up and to open the coffin and to go do it all over again. I have to ask myself the question: Why would Jesus torture Martha and have her take him to where they laid him? He had to do it because before he could resurrect Lazarus, he had to resurrect her faith. And sometimes what Jesus will do, I know it may not look good, it may not sound good, it may not feel good. What Jesus will do, he will take you back to that place of hurt. He will take you back to that place of pain and he will use it as a place, as a launching pad to resurrect your faith before he moves supernaturally on your behalf. Why, Pastor? Why would he cause me more pain again? He already did not show up when I called him. He's already been four days late. My brother is now dead. Why would he do this all over again? Because there will be no, it will make no sense for him to move supernaturally on your behalf if your faith is not at the level that it needs to be to believe that he's able to do it. So whenever he wants to move supernaturally on your behalf, he will take you back to the place of pain. He will take you back to the place where you lost your hope. He will take you back to the place where everything was wild and crazy to bring your faith up to another level to believe him to do the impossible. I got to remind you what Jesus told her. He told her right from the beginning. He told everybody else right from the beginning. It was good I didn't show up. Oh, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. Now I got a problem with you. You the one that said that you love Lazarus. You the one that said that you cared about him. You were the one that came into our home every time that you were around Bethany and we took good care of you. We were the ones that you did life with and you have the audacity to say that it was good. I didn't come when they text me. I didn't come. I didn't come right away when they Snapchat me. I, I didn't come right away when they inbox me. It was good because he told her, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Oh, God, you will see the glory of God. So now Martha gives the okay for the stone to be rolled away. Yeah. I asked you a question last week, and it's worth asking again. What's your stone? What's your stone? What is it? What is it? What, 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 where's the place where you lost hope in God? Where's the place that you're, 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 you've grown in disappointment rather than faith? Where, where, where's the place that your dreams just flat out died? Where's the place where you just said, forget it, I'm done? Where's the place that you would try your best and if the conversation leads that way, you turn the conversation a different direction because it, when you talk about it, when you think about it, it brings you too much pain. What's your stone or what's your stones? That's blocking for a supernatural move of God to take place in your life. Please, my brother, my sister, please hear me this morning. Because if you can have the faith to move the stone, if you can have the faith to say, okay, Lord, I give you permission to move the stone. I'm telling you, you are setting yourself up for a supernatural move of God. I know it hurts like hell. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it does not look good. But allow him to grace you with the strength to move the stone away. You will not experience a supernatural move of God as long as the stone stays there. Oh no, the stone has to be moved because when I move the stone by faith, when I activate that change in my life by allowing for that stone to be moved, I'm saying, God, I'm going to believe again. God, I'm going to hope again. God, I'm going to dream again. I know that things are going to turn around for me. Verse 40 said, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? I, I, I got to believe Jesus is real strong when he said that almost sarcastically. Didn't I tell you? I mean, like, didn't you hear the story about me healing blind eyes? Didn't I tell you that you would see and experience the glory of God if what? If you believe. Here it is, saints of God. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and invite myself into your living room real quick. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Experiencing the supernatural move of God on your behalf is not contingent upon you. It's not contingent upon you seeing it first. It is contingent upon you believing first. Oh God, let me say it again. You experiencing a supernatural move of God in your life is not predicated on you seeing it first. It is predicated and contingent upon you believing it first. Because here's a problem that we have with God's glory. How do I comprehend God's glory when his glory 
causes me grief. How do I, how, 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 how do I comprehend the glory of God in his full splendor? When his glory was made, sent me on an emotional roller coaster. How do I comprehend God's glory? When him receiving the glory means I'm going to have to endure some pain. Uh-huh. I got to believe. 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 He said, he says, did I tell you? Did I tell you? Did I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? Look at it. Verse 41. So they rolled the stone away. Uh-huh. I like this. I like this. I like this. Jesus with his bad self. He stood there. He looked up towards heaven. He said, Father, <laughs> thank you for hearing me. In fact, you always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe that you sent me. Here it is. Let me get this out real quick. Let me hurry up and get to the game. You can pray bold publicly when you have consistently prayed privately. Let me say it again. You can be able to stand in the confidence of God and pray boldly publicly when you have spent the time consistently praying in your prayer room when nobody saw you. Now you have to understand, this is the first time where Jesus has prayed publicly because if you remember in the other Gospels, he talked about praying in public and how people were doing it from this show so that everybody could be able to see how eloquent they prayed. Jesus prays to make a point. I want the people to see that the power that I have is not the power on my own, but the power that I have is directed to the source, and the source is my Father. And He wants the people to know the reason why I'm able to pray the way that I'm praying right now publicly is because every time I was done doing something, I will find I was still away and find some time to be with my Father. He wants the people to be able to see that the power that I have is not my own, but it's my Daddy's. Thank you, God. Says. Look towards heaven. Thank you for hearing me. He said, in fact, truth be told, you always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Here it is, saints of God. Let me help us with our prayer life real quick. Let me help us real quick with our prayer life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Prayer is not, prayer is not just so that you can be able to get something. Prayer is so that you can be able to capture the heart of God. And when you capture the heart of God, then you can align your life and your prayers with what God desires for you to be able to have. Let me say it again. Prayer is not just for you to, prayer is not just for you to give off your sanctified wishes of what you want. Prayer is for you to capture the heart of God. Every believer's heart and desire should be to capture the heart of our Father when we pray so that we can be able to pray in line with our Father's will for our lives and go after the things that our Father wants for us. Right there, Jesus shows us the importance of capturing the heart of our Father. That's why he prayed in front of everybody so that people could be able to see that what he was doing was not on his own, but it was in line with what his Father wanted him and sent him to do. You can pray bold publicly when you have consistently prayed privately. Pastor, I hear you. I've been doing that. I've been praying, Pastor, and nothing has changed. 
Pastor, I've been doing that. I got. I, I go to my prayer closet. I'm in the bathroom. I'm in the shower. I'm in the car. I don't roll underneath the bed. I'm doing everything, Pastor. Nobody hears me but you. Nobody hears me but God. But yet still, nothing has changed in my life. Pastor, I'm doing everything. I am reading. I am praying. I am fasting. And still, stuff has not changed. Let me remind you. Let me remind you. This was, These sisters were the same ones that were white, that were, that were worship Jesus and that they will wipe, they will wipe, they, they will wipe his feet with the hair. These were the same ones that worship him. And I'm so glad that they did that. I'm so glad that they did that. I'm so glad that they did that because it's a lesson to us that listen, it's all good and well to be able to worship Jesus when everything is going well in your life and all is well in your home. But when hell busts through, when hell comes in, can you still worship him? Can you still praise him? Can you still make the declaration that he is yet still good? Can you still say that his mercy endured forever? Can you still lift up holy hands? Can you still dance? Can you still shout? Can you still pray? Can you still read? Can you still give? Can you still serve? Can you still do what God has called you to do when life is not fair? Jesus gets there. None prayed. Verse 43, I'm almost done. Bible says, then Jesus shouted. Mm -hmm. You got to understand that Jesus did not whisper these words, but he shouted these words on purpose because there were people, there were Jews that were out there in the audience. There were people that had been consoling. There were people that said, hey, isn't this the same one that healed blind eyes, but he couldn't raise your brother from the dead? This is the same one that healed blind eyes, but he couldn't come when you wanted to. There were doubters in the crowd, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus had to make sure that they heard, that they heard what he was saying so that they could believe. So the Bible says that Jesus gets us to the grave. I got to use my sanctified imagination. It's about to go down. People probably got their phones out. They're on Facebook. They're on Snapchat. Wait a minute, y'all. Listen, Jesus was just here at the house. He showed up four days late. In fact, we were at the repast getting ready to eat. Mother Martin made some taco salad. Mother Calvin made some uh, Mother Calvin made some coleslaw. We were getting ready to eat real good. Jesus shows up, interrupts the repast, gets Martha out the house, tells her, show me where you lamb. And now everybody leaves out the fellowship hall of the church, following Martha and Jesus down to the tomb trying to figure out, I don't know what Jesus is about to do. I mean, Lazarus is dead. I mean, Sean Alger ain't here. So listen, we ain't really have no good embalmer. So if they open it up and open the casket, it's going to smell real bad. Y'all know how the heat gets here. So that's not a good idea for him to do that. So they get there down trying to figure out what is about to happen. And Jesus gets there. He moves the stone away. Everybody, oh, I can't believe he didn't move the stone. What? I can't believe Martha gave permission for him to move the stone. He's sitting there praying. Why is Jesus praying to his father? This don't make no. Let me me get my charger because this don't make no sense. I got to get this on film because I don't believe this at all. They're there. They're there. And Jesus shouts with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. At that moment, Jesus stood there full of power, full of authority, and shouted the name of Lazarus. The Bible says 
that Lazarus got up bound in burial clothes and made his way out of the tomb. Now, somebody's probably asking, okay, Pastor, how come Jesus just didn't say, come out? If Jesus has said, come out, everybody that was dead would have came out. And you're right. And everybody would have took off running when everybody came out the tomb. Jesus called Lazarus by name. Because he didn't come to resurrect everybody. He came to resurrect Lazarus. Okay, let me go back and say it again. He didn't show up at the tomb for everybody. He came intentionally to get Lazarus. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but the Holy Ghost told me to, told me to tell you that he's not coming for everybody, but he's coming directly to you. He's calling your name out, and when he calls your name out, he's calling you to come out of everything that you've been in, everything that's held you down, everything that's held you in bondage. He's calling you to come out of the very thing and he's calling you to call back your hope call back your faith call out your finances call out your marriage call out your health call out your future he's doing it because he's coming directly to you that's what i love so much about god that out of all of his children he knows how to get to me when i need him to he gets there lazarus Dead man came out, hands and feet, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Let me ask you a question. Are you physically free, but yet still bound? Has he called your name and you have come out, but you're still wrapped in your clothes. Your mind is still wrapped in a hair cloth. Your feet are still bound. Has he called you out, but you're yet not experiencing true freedom in your life? Okay, Pastor, how, how, how do I experience that? You got to read the latter part of verse 44. Mm -hmm. He says, Jesus told them, Jesus told them, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus desires to use you uh -huh. to collaborate in helping in somebody else's deliverance. All right. All right. Your assistance mm -hmm. aids another's freedom. All right. yep. They're free. He called them out. Jesus himself could have easily, easily. Uh -huh. stepped his fingers. And the unwrapping came off. Uh -huh. But Jesus looks to the crowd around and he tells them, unwrap him and let him 
go. Jesus wants to use those around you for two reasons. Jesus wants to use others around you to be able to aid in your freedom. One reason, the main reason is because he wants to raise their faith in him to believe him for the impossible. And secondly, Jesus wants to use and activate the community around you to aid you in your spiritual growth and development. Uh -huh. Oh, it's good that you save. It's good that you save. It's good that you save. But in us aiding in your freedom uh -huh. is on the lines of discipleship as you grow in your spiritual walk and development in your relationship with Christ. Uh -huh. But here's the catch. You got to be comfortable and vulnerable enough to allow some people to unwrap you. Now, remind you, remind you, remind you, remind you, remind you. Lazarus has been dead for four days. It's hot. He stinks. It's messy. I have to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to be willing to expose myself to you and trust you enough that you're not going to air my dirtiness to somebody else. I have to trust you enough. I got to trust you and believe in you enough that as you're unwrapping me, that you're not going to have your phone out taking pictures. I have to be comfortable and vulnerable enough to let you help me in getting my freedom. Things are about to change in your life. Things are about to change in your life. But please, man, please, sir, don't put the full weight on Jesus. Don't put the full weight on God. There is a role that you play. There's a spiritual human responsibility that you have that he wants to use and bringing about the freedom in your life. He wants, he, he wants to empower you to move the stone. He wants to take you back to the place where you got hurt. He wants to take you back to the place where you lost your hope. He wants to take you back to that place and resurrect your faith up to bring it up to a level where you will believe him no matter what for the impossible. And when he calls you out, he's calling you out by name. You come. You come. I love it. I love it, but you all, you, you all have to understand, according to the Old Testament law, you were, not, you were not to be in the presence or around anything that was dead. But Jesus is willing to go against the grain and involve himself in our messiness and our smelly, stinky stuff in order that we will be free. And he sent people in your life mm -hmm. that genuinely care about you. Please, man, please, sir, I know, I know you don't have some friendships. I know you don't have some relationships. And it just went sour. It went south real quick. People were real bogus. Folks was real crazy. But everybody that comes into your life is not trying to hurt you. There are some people that God is sending in your life. And you need to be discerning enough to know, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. I, I can trust them. I can trust them. I, 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 can, I can allow them to help unwrap me. Mm -hmm. 
so I can be free. I don't know who this is for, but there's some, somebody right now, you, you have trust issues with people because family has been bogus. In fact, you ain't talked to them since 76. Family has been tripping out real bad. You don't fool with them at all. And so you have created barricades around you where you only allow people to get so close. You only allow them, you're only allowing them to get as close as you desire them to be. I'm not saying to let your guard down completely, but I am saying just hear the Lord and just start to slowly but gradually let your guard down. He wants to, he wants to restore that area in your heart when it comes to trust. He wants to help you to trust again. Because truth be told, because of, your, because of your lack of trust in people, it has caused you to have some trust issues with God. He wants to restore. He wants to resurrect your trust in him and in people. Because he will send people in your life that literally don't want nothing from you but the best for you. But you can't push everybody off. You got some folks that are discerning enough and they can, they can, they can discern behind that, that, that tough exterior. They can, they can discern behind it. And they're wearing on you. They're praying. They're praying for the Lord to soften your heart. Man, I wish I could have been there. Can you imagine the joy? The delight? that Mary and Martha had. But just when they thought that Jesus had forgotten about them, he showed up right on time and saved the day. They were back, the dynamic trio again. <laughs> they were back together again. If I could use my sanctified imagination, Martha and Mary probably ran up to Lazarus hugging him. Didn't care how bad he smelled. Didn't care about the hair cloth or the wrappings. They were just glad to have their brother. Right. Tears streaming down their eyes. Looking at Jesus and Jesus looking at them. Tears of joy. Tears of thanksgiving. And realizing the fact that Jesus had not forgotten about them. Yes. God. You, You've been there before that you were <laughs> down to the mere last. Lights getting ready to get turned off. Truck has already pulled up, getting ready to repo your car. And Jesus shows up. Shows up. And saves the day. He hasn't forgotten about you, man of God. He hasn't forgotten about you, woman of God. He was there all the time. He delayed his coming, but not just for you, but he wanted others around you to believe in this same God that you believe in. So I want to invite somebody this morning. 
that if you don't believe in Jesus, man, you need to today. You honestly don't need to delay asking him into your life. You need to do it swiftly, quickly. It's imperative that you do it. We're living in some strange times right now, literally. Some things are not certain, but you need to be certain about your soul and your relationship.